Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to 3CR Radio. Hello listeners, you're here on 3CR 855am. This is Queering the Air. You're here with Amy and I've got Frankie in the studio with me today. Hi, how are you going? <laughs> and we've also got Rory from Voice First. Hey. But um, I should actually backtrack a little bit. I wanted to, we always like to start by doing acknowledgement of country. Uh, we are meeting here today on uh, and broadcasting from Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nation. Um, this is stolen land um, and we continue to see that through the continued colonisation of our country um, and the harm done to First Nations people. And uh, we would like to pay respect to Elders past and present and anybody listening to uh, our show today. Um, so this is a bit of a significant show actually because uh, this is actually uh, my last show. I've been with Crewing the Air for um, almost three years now. Um, it's been amazing. I've learned so much and met, met so many amazing people. As a result, and my dream of doing radio has come true, I actually responded to a, a Facebook ad. Oh. Um, yeah, saying we want more presenters. And I was like, just, just moved to Melbourne. Uh-huh. I'm not long here, actually. And I was like, I've always wanted to do radio, queer radio. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how I came to be here. Cool. <laughs> and this is actually Frankie's first show. Yes, my very first show. Um, so this is this is my first time live on air three CR community radio. So thank you so much, Amy, for having me. Um, I'm super thrilled to be here. Um, yeah. So I also wanted to begin by acknowledging the custodians and owners of the land we're standing on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Um, and I wanted to, I guess, like give a little bit of introduction on um, myself here, new uh, programmer, um, Crewing the Air. Um, so I'm Frankie or Michaela. Um, and I, um, yeah, I guess I wanted my introduction to be about locating my specific identity and to state that because of that specific identity, I'm in a place of immense privilege. And because of that, there are gaps, holes in the perspectives that I can represent. I'm a settler. I'm white. I'm an occupier and colonizer of the land. I'm also queer outside of or between the gender binary of male and female using they, them pronouns. I also wanted to center queer Indigenous people and acknowledge the experience of sister girls and brother boys and other First Nations gender identities and gender identities within communities of color that are outside or separate from the white Western medicalized binary of narrative of cis and trans and gay and straight. Cool. Thank you. That was a great intro. Thank you. <laughs> cool. All right. So, um... We might head to a track, um, and after we uh, go to the track, we're going to uh, be speaking with Rory, <laughs> who uh, is uh, from here from Voice Fest. Um, and later on in the show, we're going to be hearing an interview that Frankie did um, with Embittered Swish, a performance collective. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a great interview. It has two parts, so uh, tune in for both. All right, cool. So I'm going to, without further ado, we'll go to a song now. So this is uh, comes with a language warning. Um, this is called High School Never Ends uh, by Mikey Blanco. Mickey Blanco. Strawberries, cherries, and an angel's kiss in spring. 
My summer wine is really made from all these things. We are so lucky at 3CR. Artisan winemaker extraordinaire Luke Lambert has given us some wine to share with you. It's $15, folks. That's a major bargain. There's Shiraz, Chardonnay and Rosé, and you can drink it all summer long and toast 3CR. Call us on 94198377, or you can go to the 3CR website and look for the 3CR shop. Cool, that sounds easy. So are we posting it out? No, you've got to come into the station. Just make sure you come in before the 23rd of December. Awesome. It's going to be perfect for those hot summer days. Strawberries, cherries and an angel's kissing spring. Luke Lambert is a 3CR supporter. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope... Only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Welcome back. This is 3CR 855 AM. You're here with Queering the Air. You, we were just listening to a song. Called High School Never Ends from Mickey Blanco's 2016 Mickey album. It's released through Dog Food Music Group, and you should check out the video. It's beautiful and full on. <laughs> cool, yes. And uh, sorry, Mickey, I pronounced your name wrong earlier. But, mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So um, we're going to now go to an interview with Rory. We've got Rory here from Voice Fest. Hey. How you going? I'm pretty good. I'm really happy to be here, actually. Yeah, we're excited to have you also. Yeah, because Queering the Air, I've heard of a lot. And um, yeah, super, super awesome to be here. Aw, that's nice. Nice feedback. Mm. We always like that kind of feedback. <laughs> so tell us a bit about Voice Fest. So Voice Fest is a free community festival, and it's all about celebrating diversity and bringing all sort of different groups in the community together. Um, it's aimed at young people and it's actually almost all created by young people through um, the Drummond Street Services and like a lot of amazing people actually, a lot of amazing orgs. And it's at Trades Hall on Saturday 3rd of December 12 to 6 and there's just going to be a lot of free music, activities, like art, performance and it should be awesome. Cool, fantastic. And um, so the tagline, I mean you've kind of gone through it a little bit but celebrating diversity diverse identities and expression. Can you tell us about this, how this came about and why it's significant? So it came about um, with our previous sort of youth peer leaders who sort of created the um, whole festival, Idle and Eric. And it came about because a lot of the time when we're talking about difference and when we sort of bring different groups together, you're focusing a lot on the commonalities, like what's common between us, whereas mm. we really wanted to emphasise the difference that is the cool part. And, like, we wanted to make – like, the whole tagline is um, difference is strength. And I guess, like, we wanted to make it as inclusive as possible because a lot of places as well, like if you're talking about LGBTI or sort of safe spaces, again, they tend to be quite white-dominated. 
Um, and even when like, and so you have to have sort of a, um, LGBTI people of color sort of places, which can be not inclusive of other sort of groups. So we kind of wanted to create a place that wasn't just about um, having a safe place for everyone, but also about celebrating different parts of our identities. And that was like a really, really big thing because it's mm. been a really tough year for a lot of different groups. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess we just wanted to make a really um, vocal and showing celebration of that. And um, we're also raising money for some pretty awesome orgs, um, Y Gender and Rise, who are mm-hmm. a refugee um, survivor group as well. And we have some awesome organizations who are a part of that too. Fantastic. That's great. I mean, that's a really interesting point you make, I think, about how that we're often encouraged to um, to rather focus on the commonality rather than difference. Like, difference is seen as, like, oh, we don't want to – it's like conflict, you know, yeah. like, we don't want to go there. Yeah, and that whole, like – I guess it ties into that whole assimilation sort of ideology as well, which is just yes. – yeah. So we really wanted to make sure people could celebrate in a really, like, culturally safe place as well as, like, a safe place for people who have diverse genders and sexualities as well, which was a bit of a challenge. Um, But I think just with the diversity of people who are a part of the festival and creating it, it sort of became um, just super inclusive and super amazing. Mm. And a lot of consultation was done as well with members of every community that we could. Fantastic. Cool. So, um... So tell us a bit more about the um, the process of pulling it together. Like I understand mm. that you had a committee that's kind of overseen this and, yeah, how that all works. Yeah, so we had a festival earlier in April and that was done with a pretty large youth committee, actually. I wasn't a part of that because I only came on board this year, but um, uh, this, youth fest- this youth committee was a lot smaller. Um, and we weren't exactly sure what we were going to do for this festival, considering the one earlier was supposed to be our biggest one and a lot of our funding went toward it. Um, and we were going to sort of piggyback off another sort of organisations event, which fell through. And then I sort of spoke to some friends who had contacts at Trades Hall and they managed to give us the venue. And from then on, we were like, actually, you know, we can make this a really big festival, but it required a lot of asking, begging, but also mm. really emphasising to the community that this was bigger than just one organisation. It was bigger than us. This is a whole community event and the more people that could be a part of it, the better. And through that, we've gotten some incredible prizes and incredible people. Like we've managed to get stage and PA system and the venue all in kind, which is fantastic. And um, we just asked a lot of organisations if they wanted to be a part of it and what they could bring and performers as well. It's just been it's, it's been a, like a long journey, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be incredible and really awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. And so we, um, we last year we had, was it would have been last year, yeah, we had mm-hmm. Idle and Eric who were, I, as I understand, part of the former committee. Yeah. Yeah. And so they talked to us about, I mean, that was the first year, am I correct in saying that was the first yeah, year so that festival ran? It, it's, yeah, this, the first festival was actually in April this year. <laughs> So it's a bit, of, and then we're doing the second one, which is, huh. um, yeah, and Voice Fest two K sixteen two point oh. Yeah, no, it's a bit, of, it's a bit of a confusing long title, but yeah, that happened in April this year, so it feels like last year. It does. I, I wasn't was convinced there. that it was last year. <laughs> well, since I wasn't there, it may as well have been. It's been a big year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So and so, I mean, did you guys get to? Did you get a chance to kind of um, reflect after that one and think about what came out of it and what you'd change? and that sort of thing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, because it was an outdoor venue last time. It was outside the Carlton Housing Estate in Neil Street Reserve. So it was pretty awesome because there was a lot of people that just came in and um, from the community just seeing it. Um, So this one has been a lot more about promoting it and making sure people know about it. Um, And I guess the 
benefit of last um, time was, as it was an outdoor event, we could have a lot more sort of sport activities, whereas this time we're sort of emphasising performance and art and activities that don't require a huge amount of space, like table tennis, and we'll have, I think, rainbow yoga, <laughs> badge making, like, and um, also have Sticky Institute there. Um, and so we'll have some zine stuff happening there too. So cool. Yeah. You love Sticky? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so many activities. Yeah, and um, we've got, like, people from Proud to Play who are LGBTI-inclusive sort of org, and um, they've got doing work with uh, all abilities, like um, – a group that make really make inclusive sport. So that really worked for us as well in the small venue, but also making it really accessible for everyone, which is what yeah. a whole festival is about. Yeah, fantastic. So can you tell us, I'm, I'm kind of really interested mm-hmm. in about like the process of, the kind of process you went through to, to kind of make sure that, like you said, the kind of inclusivity and, um, you know, like the, that you don't leave anyone out. Like mm-hmm. yeah, how do you kind of... Well, I think from the get-go, I think we had to like accept the fact that we could only do as well as we could. Yeah. Um, and the Youth Peer Leader Program at The Drum, um, which is how it sort of started, is all about getting people from the communities, um, particularly, so we're emphasising Carlton and Parkville, just because that's a community that Drummond Street sort of looks after. Mm-hmm. And so my fellow peer leader, Awataf, is from the um, African-Australian Muslim community, and um, I'm trans, so not to be in the to- total tokenistic way, but... Um, that's how they sort of approached it mm. by being like, we want to have members of the communities a part of it. Um, and I think the, that, like through those communities and then through various connections, like with Afrohub and Y gender minus 18, like doing a lot of consultation with them. Um, and then we've also reached out to the Wurundjeri council. And of course we have like our acknowledgement of country and our, um, dig player there as well. Um, but also talking to people from those communities and being like, how do we make this inclusive? And it's been a bit of a learning process because, like, for me, I've primarily worked with LGBTI organisations and they've mostly been sort of white and me being white myself, like having coming from a very big place of privilege. And, for example, things like gender-neutral bathrooms, um, I never really thought, oh, you know, that's the way to be inclusive. But then talking to a few of the people on the committee and they were like, well, as a Muslim woman, I actually want sort of a safe space for me and, like, sort of negotiating that, um, which was really... It was pretty amazing, though, because at the end um, we have put together something I think is really amazing. Like the performers themselves are from diverse groups. Um, we have people from Dig Deep, Outer Urban Hip Hop Projects, the Upful Dodgers Studios. And I guess um, with all the submissions that we had, we really wanted to be careful and make sure that we have people that re- represented our diversity because, mm. yeah, it's really it was hard, but I think it was really important that we tried our best to do it. Mm. Yeah, that, that was really interesting. I think, like, I think if I'm kind of getting you, getting understanding what you mean correctly, is that there was some conflict, like, about different people's needs and how yeah. you negotiate those things. It's all part of the process, but really celebrating difference, I guess. Yeah. Um, and another thing with that as well was just we were running on a pretty low budget and we really wanted to make it inclusive, so everything for free, which was, again, something that we just had to really work for and make it really, um, like, we're still charging $5 for food, but that, I think, is the only cost, unless you wanted to donate. Cool. All right, so, yeah, tell us more about the actual event. Like, mm-hmm. you just said it's free, but, yeah, just tell us, yeah, the kind of details, what people can expect if they turn up on the day. Sweet. So it's um, at Trades Hall, and we have the Loading Bay, which is a really large sort of area, it's sort of semi-indoor-outdoor um, we'll have a big stage and performers from like Last Minute Band, um, Soretti, who's an awesome spoken word artist, Dig Deep, Outer Urban Hip Hop Projects, Uzi Maki, 
um, Amanda de Beer. Um, we'll have a Tonga Tem doing face painting. Um, we'll have a lot of um, we have a chill space and a sort of an activities room, two separate places. It's wheelchair accessible, um, although the toilet is a little bit hard to get to, but we'll have buddy systems for that. Um, food will be five dollars a plate. Um, we'll also have a lot of prizes sort of available and several stalls from amazing orgs as well, like Young Workers Centre who helped put it on, um, Proud to Play, Minus 18, Y Gender, um, and like all those sorts of places as well. Sounds amazing. Did we did we get the date and time? Yeah, so it's on um, next Saturday, so Saturday the 3rd of December, yep. um, 12 to 6pm at Trades Hall. Fantastic. And you can hit us up on Facebook and... You can get all the event info there. Cool, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. No worries. Thank I'm you. really excited. I'm gonna, I didn't yeah. get to go. To, I was going to say I didn't get to go the one last year in April this year. <laughs> I didn't get to go, but um, I really hope to make this one this year. Yeah, you should. should. should be really good. And the more people, the better. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. All right, well, thank you so much for coming in. No worries. To speak with us. Cool. All right, so we might get to a track now. So this one is Who Am I to Feel So Free by J.D. Sampson. Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email Info at by-alliance.org. We're talking about ecological thinning and subsidised longing, but we basically mean the same things, don't we, here? Wherever there are chemical corporations around the world, they're constantly trying to chip away at regulations. Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories from developments in government and industry to the campaigns and communities that are standing up to them. Earth Matters plays at 11am Sunday and 6.30am Wednesday. Turn your dial to 855am or listen online at 3cr.org.au. While the headlines have subsided, the nuclear power plant is still not under control with the spent fuel rods removed from only one out of four reactors. Law needs to change so that uh, our rights can be recognised so that decisions in relation to the use and exploitation of our lands is ours. Welcome back, listeners. You're here on 3CR 855 AM, 3cr.org.au. We were just hearing then uh, J.D. Sampson. Uh who am I to feel so free? Thank you, Adam Mullen. Ah, free. Ah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, and just before we were um, listening to Rory, we had Rory from Voice Fest in the studio here with us. Um, yeah, so that was a great interview. Um, mm. And so they're doing a um, youth festival, youth arts-led festival in uh, at Trades Hall next Saturday, December 3rd from mm. 12 till 6. They have heaps of different amazing acts and um, stuff to do, different activities. Sounds like a really amazing day. Sounds fantastic. I'm definitely going to go. <laughs> awesome. Oh, and free, yeah? Free, yes. Five, $5 for a food? plate of food. I think that's what he said, the only thing yeah. that you would pay. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Mm. Free things are important in this yes. uh, 
society where everything costs so much money. It's very important to make it accessible. Yeah. Mm. Alrighty. So um, now we're actually going to uh, next go to another interview that um, Frankie did. Do you want to talk about that, Frankie? Yes. So um, I interviewed um, performance group Embedded Swish. Um, so I've just got a little uh, intro here from them. Um, Embedded Swish began in 2015 as an artistic conversation between artist Cinnamon Templeton and performance maker Mick Kleptner-Row, taking Jean Genet's 1943 novel Our Lady of the Flowers as its starting point. Embedded Swish grew to be the ensemble of artists that devised and performed Our Lady of the Flowers, which was amazing, at La Mama Court House Theatre in October this year. Um, the artists in this performance were Mossy Pebbles, Babak Sayed, Krishna Ista, Romy Seven, Mick McKeague and Rare Candy. And the project um, focuses on the morally and sexually ambiguous and Jeanet moves and speaks in the in-between bodies overlap and change through desire. So um, an embittered swish have been, they were reformulating the original novel to speak to contemporary trans realities and they're now expanding their practice of personal and poetic performance making into other cultural texts. So I caught up with Mossy, Babak, uh, Krishna, Rumi and Mick to talk about their work. Cool. All right. Let's go to that track now. Hi, my name is Frankie and I'm here with Embittered Swish who um, they've just had their show at La Mama Courthouse, Our Lady of the Flowers. So I'd like to just ask um, each and every one of you to introduce yourself, uh, starting with Romy. Oh, hi. Um, my name's my name's Romy Seven. I'm a sound artist, performance artist and secret reptilian shapeshifter. Um, hi, I'm Krishna, and I'm a performance maker. FYI to our listeners, please don't assume anyone's gender identity according to the way our voices sound, because we're all trans people in the room. Hi, I'm Mossy. Um, I have a background in visual arts, but I'm also a performer and sound artist. Hey, yo, I'm Bobak Saeed. I'm a writer, editor, and performer. Uh, hi, I'm Mick. I'm a performance maker and a director. Okay, um, <clears throat> Mick, I wanted to ask you, um, what conscious choices did you make when you sourced people for the show? Like, for example, <clears throat> choosing folks who aren't, quote-unquote, trained actors? I was. I wanted to explore with um, Cinnamon the book... Our Lady of the Flowers by Jean Genet. I wanted to like, we wanted to do something bigger with it because we've been doing lots of stuff, just the two of us, and also um, with Kai Bradley. I guess for me, the most obvious thing was to involve other trans people in the next stage of making stuff. And to be honest, there aren't like loads of um, trained trans perform, trained trans actors out there. Plus, anyway, I'm not trained, like, as an actor and um, neither is Cinnamon and, like, working with trained, like, super, super trained or, like, prof- I don't know, it's hard <laughs> to explain because I guess, like, different people in the group have different things that they've done lots of, 
like for example Krishna's like done lo- loads and loads of acting um and like Babak's done heaps of writing and like you know there's like those are just two examples and we're all artists who <clears throat> like take our work seriously and are committed to making art or like find that I guess I don't know maybe people would explain it differently but for me it's like making performance makes me happy <laughs> and also it's kind of um I think I could do interesting and important things through it um yeah so I guess it was obvious for me not to work with basically just to work with who I wanted to work with and in a way those things happened serendipitously um so for example Romy who I live with and I have been had been talking a lot about her sound work and um I'd been listening to different stuff that she'd be making I'd been out to her gigs um we've been talking about like doing a side music project so obviously when we started the next stage of the project I wanted her to be involved and Babak and Mossy um well Babak is a um, good friend of Cinnamon and had done some work with Cinnamon previously um and I yeah and then met Mossy through through you actually and all everything kind of just falls into place like that so people that you meet or that you know and who we thought would like work well for the project I think also because me and Cinnamon's work had been a lot about gender blending and like bending and like not really we both our relationships to our genders are very complex and not um binary in some way in most ways even though sometimes we can present or want to be read by the wider world as a binary gender we don't ex- we both don't experience our genders in a binary fashion and i felt and from what cinnamon had told me about their work with babak there was just like the same sort of interest or um same kind of feeling about stuff so um which really helps with the content of the work um because the book by Janet is so much about the in between and so often i feel the best professional relationships are the ones that simultaneously like um involve personal and spiritual connections because it enables a certain like comfort and familiarity that ultimately invites creative brilliance mm-hmm. because if you're like too hung up on formalities or on like <coughs> professional kind of methodologies you often lose like the intuitive moment and the intuitive kind of like spontaneity that um so much of this show was based around you know like even rehearsals i found something like i'm sure everyone agrees that early at the beginning of the rehearsal even you'd have no idea where we were going to go or what scene we were going to work on or how it was going to evolve and like who it was going to involve and i think that really benefited the production ultimately is not knowing its shape but being willing to contribute and invite energies into it because its shape was so in flux mhm and thanks babak and um so was a lot of the process in terms of like when you first came together about improvisation um because i know mick mentioned that um mossy and babak you did a lot of improvisation together um 
and Romy. So maybe if, yeah, the three of you, Babak and Masi and Romy, could talk about improvisation and how the three of you worked together um, as, yeah. Yeah, I found it was a really, like, interesting kind of organic process from the beginning because essentially, like, I was there, like, from the beginning with everyone else kind of making sound at, like, the, like, starting to make sound at the very beginning of all the movements. Like, it was this constant dialogue between myself and Babak and Mossy and Cinnamon and Mick, like, constantly talking through this. And it was sort of, it was just, like, this, like, really interesting language of improvisation. And then, like, it was, yeah, it was really spontaneous. It was just, like, responding off each other's movements, off each other's energy, essentially. Like, everything was really free-flowing, free-form, and then, like, it was just doing that a lot and then sort of looking back and then refining bits that worked. So it was kind of like, it was like scripting and writing. Like it was like writing a score and it was like writing movements, but all of that was really strongly based in just improvisation and just exploring each other as performers and exploring each other's sort of methods and each other's sorts of ways of expressing oneself. I think it it, it wouldn't have been the performance it was if we hadn't have had so much groundwork that went into familiarizing ourselves uh, ourselves with each other's craft and it's actually for me unimportant all the work all the like the the scenes or moments that didn't make the show because I feel they really laid the groundwork and they like were so important and they were so much fun you know, and like that's often when you get into like creative processes that are like hell bent on professionalism, you lose the real fun that comes out of just like play, which is like something that gets us by and something that like is vibrant and like alive and shape shifting in the ways that our bodies and our genders so often are as well. It was really like quite like an intoxicating kind of fun mm. I found as well, mm. and especially like spending so much time with each other and just, like, spending so much time, like, really deep in each other's minds mm. and, like, lives and hearts. Um, yeah, if you can just imagine, you know, Mick feeding stimulus and then, say, Babak and I mirroring each other's movements while Romy's also responding to our movements and we're responding to her sound, there's just, like, no perception of time. You're just, like, in this warp and it is so intoxicating and I agree with what you said, Babak, about even all of the work that we did that didn't make the cut was so crucial to the work and to all of our relationships as performers and this kind of collective consciousness of what the work was and how we grew it together. Um, I was just thinking about the process at the beginning of this particular iteration of the work was like so exciting for me because I finally started figuring out the basis of what I want my performance work to be, which is like group improvisation based upon like small manageable kind of um, source stimulus. So taking sections of the book, like very small sections, um, everyone reading them in their own time and then coming to rehearsal and, and me giving like a few different sort of bits from it, like either actions or conflicts or the main kind of action of that moment that then the performers played around in and also like coming from getting into that 
was really important to figure out some really simple kind of theatre games that created a type type of focus and freeness. So, for example, mirroring games were very key in our process. Unemployed, underemployed, receiving social security, getting bullied, penalised or harassed by your job agent or Centrelink. The Australian Unemployed Workers Union is for you. You have rights. Find out more or get involved by going to our website on unemployedworkersunion.com or by calling our National Advocacy Hotline on 03 83 It's time to fight back. A 3CR supporter. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Freeze, fellas, you're under arrest. What do I do? Um, call a lawyer? Hello, Fitzroy Legal Service. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you are arrested, you should make a no-comment interview. A no-comment interview? Yeah. Well, how do I do that? You say... No, no comment! To everything? Yes, except your name and address. Every other question you should answer with no comment. So if he asks me what colour my shoes are, I say no comment? Yes, you say... No, no comment. comment! To everything? Yes, say... No, no comment. If you are arrested, exercise your right to contact a lawyer and say no comment. It's for legal service proudly supporting 3CR. Welcome back, listeners. You're on 3CR listening to Queering the Air with Amy and Frankie. Uh, You just heard Chapel by Romy Seven, who was one of the participants in Embittered Swish. Um, She did the sound for the work. Um, You also just heard part one of an interview that I did with the collective. And coming up next, we've got part two for you. Like a bit later on in the process, yeah. So how was it for you to come into this like group of people that were creating this thing? How did you slot in? I think when when I first came in, uh, I thought I was captioning for the show. And I remember sitting there on the first day watching it from the outside and being like, wow, this is so exciting. It's like, it's it's it was just, I think the main thing for me was to see like an all trans cast like doing amazing things being like wow that's really great I'm really glad I can sit here and watch this and then due to reasons I got put in it last minute and I think it's been like I don't even know how to explain it I feel like it's very it's I connect to it so much because it's a trans story spoken from the perspective of trans people. And I feel like I've never had that experience of being in a performance where it meant that much to be a trans person in a space with other trans people. 
what does it mean to tell your own story on your own terms? If they're going to tell stories for you, they're not going to represent you in a particular way, the way you want to represent yourself. And I feel like especially in like theatre and performance and like art, a lot of the time people use other people's experiences to tell stories that aren't their own. But then what happens is it it writes out everyone else. It, it, it gives, like for theatre, for example, you see white people mostly on stage you say cis people mostly on stage and what that means is we don't get to see ourselves on stage and that by making by telling your own stories on your own terms you're creating that opportunity to see yourself and show other people like you those stories that they can see themselves too and it's like so important that when so many like of the very very few trans figures we have in pop culture or in the media are um, binary, are beautiful, Eurocentric, are palatable, like to be telling, like Mick mentioned earlier, to be telling these stories about everything else that concerns our lives that isn't palatable, that isn't um, easy on the eye, that is violent, that sucks, that we hate, that is intrinsically us and our community as well that doesn't get talked about and that we wouldn't feel comfortable with anyone external talking about like that's the beauty of like oh that's what I really loved that emerged from like the autonomous project and the autonomous collective of of trans and people is that like I would like this this kind of story is not appropriate these narratives are not appropriate for anyone else to be telling these are like these are these are important to us these are important to our community and anyone beyond our community receives it that's great but ultimately I feel like it was it was it was more for people like us than anyone else I think it's also interesting to think about within um, within the show and within the work, there are also parts of the show that could only have been performed by the trans femmes in the cast, and particularly the story of Our Lady of the Flowers is basically a story about this trans woman whose name is Divine. And in our show, we had three divines played by Cinnamon, Mossy, and Babak. And the particular work that the femmes in the room did about like around the text, around their own lives, around lots of things. Another example of that is like Babuck's playing with a snake charmer dance and a whole bunch of other stuff that was like particular to their own kind of take of the book or what they wanted to explore within it, which was to do with like specific um, parts of themselves or their own their culture and stuff like that or the way their culture has been um, represented or misrepresented in larger mm. culture and I think it's like super important when we talk about our work and when anybody talks about their work to to recognize like the spe- specificities within the room and also I feel like that trans femme the centrality of the trans femme story in our work um, which partly came from Cinnamon being the main writer of the project. I wanted to talk more about the making process um, and working with an all-trans theatre troupe. The work is pretty fucked. There's a lot of trigger warnings. It's quite a quite a dark work, so we had to go to some confronting places in our rehearsals and in our improvs. That That was hard for me personally at times with some of the things that came up around trauma or dysphoria as well, you know, switching between different genders or binaries or constructs of them. But in retrospect, to think about that process, you know, I was exploring these somewhat traumatic notions 
with a group of trans people, exploring them through embodied movement or sound. And it was so special and so therapeutic. After the show, I felt so grounded, so in my body and free of dysphoria. And I felt um, such an ease in navigating spaces as a trans person out in the big bad world. Yeah, this show will always have such a special place in my heart for for that reason. I was just going to say as well that like it really was something that was incredibly therapeutic because there's a lot of stories that like we all have like a personal relationship with within the play or like it 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 kind of mirrors something that's happened in our own lives and to be able to just sort of discuss that and sort of display it in this really raw grotesque like massive way it's just like it's really cleansing. It feels really nice to be able to just like process all of that and just sort of exercise it from our our beans essentially. The show being like intensely about trans people's experiences and it's dark and intense. Even though it was dark and intense, I don't think it was like a sob story, which is how I feel like trans people are often depicted and everything else where it's like, oh, how sad that trans person's dying or how sad like that person has it so hard. I feel like even though this is like a show about intense things, it wasn't a sob story. It was more like concrete experiences that were showed on stage. It's interesting to think about our queer community as an audience versus a cis community and I guess who we're making it for, perhaps both, because I think that there was a lot of dialogue that would have gone straight over any cis head and just our bodies on stage and to to be visibly trans under such beautiful lighting and with such beautiful sound and such a beautiful building. And with really beautiful set as well. Yes. And incredibly beautiful performers. And, <laughs> and costume also. Tranny hot. Yeah, like, it's it's important for our, our cis mates to, to be exposed to that and to continue to be exposed to that. Aspirations to be successful is fueled from a place of trans visibility. And something that resulted from, like, the approach of, like, inclusivity and, like, personalization that the make and Cinnamon really advocated for was that myself and Kai and, and also Krishna as people of colour um, participating in a performance that was, like, about our transness and about our bodies could never neglect the fact of, like, our race and our racial difference and, like... In fact, I I would say, like, it, it made its way into my dialogue. It made its way into all of my movements... I wouldn't imagine it any other way. Any performance that doesn't actively stand up for the politics of like the performers' oppressions and like the differences between the performers as well is kind of neglecting the realities that of the ways we're read, of the ways we feel, and like how we integrate into society. What are your dreams for the future as a collective? Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Big time Hollywood, baby. <laughs> yeah, let's bring the harsh noise to Broadway and Hollywood. <laughs> to happen. Well, I feel like Melbourne being uh, like a little known fact among everyone but trans femmes and trans people in Melbourne. But, you know, Melbourne being the trans femme kind of capital of Australia and especially like the trans capital of Australia, I feel like eventually, especially at least in like Australian media, which is like slowly making its way into like just like gay consciousness, gay white consciousness, gay cis white consciousness. Um, and then slowly 
out of that, you know, like from the Josh Thomases to the Benjamin Laws, and then like slowly in a couple of rounds, like the, I think this world will become ready for us. I also think that if Cinnamon was here at this point, she might talk about um, this idea that she's quite obsessed with, which is this idea of smuggling and like the idea of um, slipping things in between the borders, between the cracks, between like what's normal as part of what's politically interesting. I think embittered swish will remain slippery and we would definitely want to remain slippery and smuggling and through the cracks. And a couple of us are performing um, at Archer Issue 7's launch on December 8th. Does that have a venue yet? Yeah, it's at CAMS at the Abbotsford Convent. Oh, um, on the 18th of December at the Tote is the debut of Abrupt Tickle, a new project featuring myself, Lloyd Honeybrook and Nissa Pisser. It's going to be a mixture of experimental sound and tickling fetishes. So if either of those things sort of like strike your fancy, please come by. It'll be sick. Yeah, so thank you so much, Mick, Babak, Mossy, Krishna and Remy for joining me in the studio for the interview. I've really enjoyed having you here. Welcome back, listeners. You're on 3CR on Queering the Air with Amy and Frankie. And you just heard part two of an interview I did with performance group Embedded Swish, who will perform at the Archer Non-Binary Issue 7 launch at CAMS at the Abbotsford Convent, December 8th. Fantastic. Cool. All right. So uh, that was a really great interview. But if you missed some of it, as sometimes happens on radio, you come halfway through a show, you'll be able to go back and podcast that um, probably early next week. Um, The podcast will go up. Um, But we're actually running out of time, sadly, today. Um, But uh, stay tuned. We've got Hip Sister Hop next. Mm. Um, So that'll be a great time as always. Stay tuned. (laughs) So, but, uh, yeah, so come back next week, 3 to 4 p.m. You're listening to 3CR, 855 a.m. I'm going to go out with our favourite song here at Queering the Air, Heterosexuality. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. No good by Dash Laquelle.